How's it going? You got your host here, Wolf Brown. I got my co-host, as always, Marcus Cook. And today we got a little special something for y'all. Views from the Hicks. Got my boy. Yeah. Tyler Eichelberger coming through. This guy served in the Navy with us, both of us, as a matter of fact, over a span of a couple of years, maybe about five or six years. We both served with him honorably in the United States military. Tyler Eichelberger is a Caucasian American from the from the boonies, the sticks, the hicks. And he gonna give his side of um what we come to know as life. And a lot of y'all might like this because um we too quick to fire off from the hip of what we know. But this is coming from somebody who comes from the other side. You know what I mean? Hey, all right, so what's going on? Oh, man, Tyler, man, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and I want to mention that um, uh, Eichelberger, Tyler Eichelberger, is is no new face to this uh, equation. Uh, Me and Marcus, obviously, you know, we grew up in Detroit a long time, but one of the longest mutual friends that me and Marcus have is Tyler Eichelberger. Now, yes, sir. I've known I've known you guys for years now, over over a decade, yes, sir. and uh, well, well, me over a decade. And I want to say that, um, hey, listen, y'all, Tyler Eichelberger, he white, but 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 but. <laughs> Am I the first white good. guest? Yep, he good white. white yeah, he's our first white guest, but he good yep. white folk. He good <laughs> white folk. All right, I learned a lot. He, 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 got, he got a little hillbilly to him, he got a little <laughs> redneck to him, but that uh, that don't stain all the meat because they still good people. Uh, all right, so there's, all right. there's a few of them out there. All right, so the title was, of this episode is we already know we're gonna call it as Views of the Hicks, right? Views before, from the Hicks. But before we get into like your upbringing and kind of letting you you know, go off on that. We're going to kind of build up everything and we're going to tell a couple of stories to get everybody familiar. And one of the ones that's, you know, st- stuck out of my mind is the hotel story. So uh, you can jump at any time. I'll go ahead and start it off. Uh, Wait a minute. Say- Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's up? Now, I've been knowing Ike, Third Reich Ike. Before you. How <laughs> the fuck, how the fuck y'all time. got how y'all got stories before me? <laughs> we just we just happened to um so 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 the story I'm about to tell you we went to the Max Sprint School. Yep, that's and, what that was. Yeah, was, yeah. So okay. we just happened to be in situations where we just around each other more, especially because like after they moved me to the Armory. Yeah, see yeah. now before all the stories, I just want to make something clear that's actually pretty funny to me because I don't know if you knew this. Um, but before we went to that school, when you first came to Armory, I really didn't like you, dude. That's, that's what surprised me. I really didn't. I don't, I don't know what it was. I just did not like you. When they were told me you're going to Max Free School with me, I was like, oh, man, come on, dude. Like, for real. But, wow. Yeah, you know, I think, so, I think that when we, when we went there and, you know, it was all me, you, and, uh, Bell and the other person that we won't Bell. Yeah. <laughs> that was a weird motherfucker. <laughs> That's my boy, though, dude. Nah, man. Nah, man. That nah, was man. one funny-faced 
Weird oh, motherfucker. You know what? You know what? I rock with Bell, but all right, before I get started, fuck it, since you brought him up, I got one weird Bell story, right? I was I'm pretty sure all the Bell stories are weird. Go ahead. I was on a boat. I was on a boat, right? And I'm, I'm this is like my second month, and Bell was in his rack jacking off, right? Now, it's nothing <laughs> wrong. Look, 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 it's nothing wrong with you relieving yourself when you got to relieve yourself, but he had the curtains open, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> I'm like, hey, buddy, you got the curtains open. He said, oh, thanks. Closed the curtains and proceeded to go back to what he was. I'm talking about, <laughs> you can hear the volume. Like, only reason I noticed, I know people like, well, well, well why was you looking at the man jerk off? I can hear the porn. <laughs> right. My man, no headphones. And you can't help but see what's going on, you know, right. in between the racks. Like, you're so yeah. close. You have no other <laughs> options, though. Yeah, it's like. It's like he was so in tune. I wish I had his I don't give a fuck attitude when it can it's like he's like, look, I'm gonna get this nut off. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he was at. All right, but look, I'm gonna jump into this story. So but so yeah, so like as I mentioned, like he wasn't like 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 he wasn't fuck with me at all. So we we went there, they tried to put us on a barge, and I was like, bro, fuck that. I want a hotel room. So mm-hmm. I went to go put, and uh, I don't know if you remember, um, this certain person was trying to share rooms with these two girls, and one of these girls had like big titties. She came and answered her door, and we I was trying to stay in their room for the night, but she was dating somebody off the boat. She came with no bra and had a little nightgown on. Mm-hmm. Amazing! I just want to get that out there. But so I get the room right. So we get the room, and. I take the bed with this particular female. We ain't gonna say her name. Oh I my! Take couch. I I so I take couch and Bill take a uh, shower. So he he got the crazy got he, <laughs> he got all the little cushions and stuff. Shower was his area where you sleeping at, right? So uh, the crazy part about this is one day we want to get got some wine and i think i can know the first person put me on wine so we started drinking wine and mm. get into some uh you know crazy stories from there and i you can jump in whenever we go get a pizza and we actually got really close when this particular female went to the gym i don't know if you remember this she came back hopped on the bed spreading her legs and the whole the whole room smelled nasty for a minute mm. Yeah, I remember that because uh, the wine, the wine we were talking about, it was, it's Carlo Rossi. And I, I used Woo! to eat it by the Now, now, I don't know jugs. nothing about this story, but I know plenty about some Carlo Rossi, goddammit. Uh, that shit, that's just the truth, dude. I remember I used to buy it by the fucking jug. It comes and, by the uh, jug with the little, little handle that you can barely stick your finger through. Yeah. Yep, uh-huh. Yep, the little old country drug, dude. Yo, country and, dude on the, the little farmer dude on the front. Hey, 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 uh-huh. I, ain't shit changed, my baby. I still know about some good damn liquor, goddammit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I get this jug, and like I said, me, me and Marcus at the time, we didn't really fuck with each other. I didn't really, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say I didn't like him. It just, I didn't fuck with him, and I didn't think he would be a dude that I want to talk to or hang out with. And, uh, and it, so I got this jug, and me and Eric, you know, me and him, put some put some liquor down and uh so we're sitting there getting fucked up and you know cook he's in the same room with us and next thing you know we just start getting fucked up and we start talking about i mean everything i mean we start talking about uh where bell's from where i'm from where cook's from and i start getting you know more sides of the story for him and uh start talking to him and 
as we're sitting there getting fucked up off of Carlo Rossi, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, I didn't like this dude, but I'm kind of glad that he came to this uh, sprinkler school with us because, you know, I'm, he, he's in the armory now and I'm getting to know him. And like he said, old girl jumped on the bed and she uh, wanted <laughs> some things. She didn't want no Carlo Rossi. She wanted some other things. <laughs> So we all three looked at each other because we all smelt a smelt that we knew was not natural. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I looked at Cook and I'm like, ah, oh, you can have that. I'm just going to go in the kitchen with Bell and get fucked up off this Rossi. And, you know, at one point during the night, you know, it crossed my mind. And, you know, I, when I get when I used to get fucked up, I lost all inhibition to do anything. Hold on, so, hold on. Let me take over here. So, look, me and Bell left. I forgot where me and him went. We went somewhere. And I guess, I guess, uh, I guess Ike was in there, and uh, you know, I guess they was about to get into some things, and then uh, I don't know if old girl was like, "Oh, where's Cook at?" or whatever, and then Ike was like, "Oh no, ain't no Cook here, baby." <laughs> Boy, I <laughs> see the thing. See the thing was it was funny because, like I said, I lose, I lost all inhibition. You know, after a while, because that's what the Rossi does to a man. And <laughs> she was asking for you and wanted you to join. And it was still a point in time where I still had uh, animosity towards you. So I was like, no, no, this ain't no, this ain't no three people thing. It's just me and you, baby. Fuck that dude. Well, hold up, hold up. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Ike, so I think before I left the Essex, I had told you guys all that I had my best friend coming here. Yeah, uh-huh. Now why the fuck would y'all have animosity toward you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what it was, man. I just don't I honestly don't but the thing is like usually how it goes with me, like the people that I, I get along the best with or like my best friends or anybody that I click with, I usually don't like them at first. Like I don't think I have a best friend that I have right now that I can tell you that I liked them right off the bat. Okay, like, that's understandable. Takes, that's under that's takes, understandable. Yeah, it takes a lot for me to like feel somebody out or like get to know them or like like, like, I wouldn't say bring him in, but you know what I mean? Like, get used to, because, like, hell, me and yeah, me. Yeah, it, to accept him with open arms and, right. like, that, you know, trust. You got to establish yeah, exactly. a certain area of trust first. And if you ain't, you got to fill them out first. And we always yeah. apprehensive towards someone who exactly. we don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, got I was, like, very, I was, like, abrasive towards a lot of people. Like, even, like, average. Yeah. I, I didn't like the wise policy. Dirty, dirty. <laughs> my guy. Y'all want to know something though, but you know the thing about it is, names. You know how, all right. So you know how you tell somebody something. So I think one of the stories you told somebody, because I, when I first checked in, I was about to get into a fight. All like my first day. Wow. And I guess you had like um, you had problems with uh, and I go, yeah, I ain't gonna get a name to let you want to get a name. You had a problem with an individual, and my first two days on a boat, this person approached me at my rack, was like, oh, Naeem, your boy, that dude pussy. No, no, no. Detroit niggas is pussy. No, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. All right, so me and... All right, I know what you're talking about. It's it's an individual, and I'm cool enough to say this name right now because, like, between me and him is, is one thing, and then it's a story on a different. Um... Me, me, and Tefton Tate were okay. Okay? It was me and Evan Bayless who kept butting heads. 
You know what I'm saying? And so I had another friend on the ship named Christopher Pierce. And mm. Christopher Pierce didn't know how to calm down when the incident reared itself and he couldn't calm down. So at the point when me and Evan Bayless were going to fight, Christopher Pierce jumped in and said, let's do this, you little punk ass bitch. We back and forth. And Tate didn't back up Bayless. Tate felt some type of way about that. So Tefton Tate like was like, all right, well then I got something for you, Naeem. But he had it for me when I left and he kind of took it out on you. You know what I'm saying? But like this was a ghost. This is a ghost move. You know, he never told me he didn't like me because of the fight that me and Bayless had got in. Now, obviously, okay. Eichelberger was there. A lot of time in the bird, I was, like, fucking around, but I was, like, on some, like, you know what I'm saying, like, some rowdy, rough shit, just hitting the gym, fucking around. You know what I'm saying? But that punk and Bayless shit out, I don't take it back, but if I knew that the backlash would have come, because I didn't know, I didn't know that was take homeboy like that. I thought we was all fucking around at first. I never liked Bayless from when he got there. Yeah, I don't I have to retract my statement. Nah, I never liked that dude okay. either, man. That was just one shady, shady character to me. You know? Yeah, yeah, to me too. I don't have to retract my statement or anything I said about Bayless. You know, he, he, all right. Yeah. All right, all right. So, you know, and then, so, you know, all, all that, because I remember I got approached, I got approached by a group. So it was Tate, Bayless, and then it had McCray. This was before me, Algebra, and Craig got cool. So I got approached by the group of AOs and the Burden. And he was just like, yeah, I should fuck you up. And he got mad that I guess I wasn't scared. I just kind of smirked. And I just put my headphones in. He's like, yeah, listen to your music while I fuck you up. So I was just waiting for him to hit me. And I looked. I'm like, okay, I'm, all right. He hit me. I'm going to hit him. And then I'm just going to get jumped. But as long as I take him out, he going to feel me. I, I like I'm not like I already I'm like, I'm about to get I'm about to get fucked up. I knew I was gonna get fucked up, but I'm like I'm gonna stop him from looking at me like that. But whatever. So we're gonna jump into the second story and we can hey we can have you back and we can get deeper into them kind of side stories. But I wanna talk about the fight in Sailor Town. And this is after and I I can't even think of where this at in the story. This happened before. We went to Yakuska. Uh, this was after. Or that was after. Okay. Because me and you got okay. close when we went to Yakuska. Me and you got close, and when you started working in the armory, I started. You know, what I mean, it was like me, you, and Bell. Like that was like the main yeah. three people, and we used to, you know, like I said, go to Fifty Cal Armory and fuck around and talk and shit about you know everything. And now that was that, that was all after because, like I said before that, I was just like really uh, was unsure of you at first, you know. I got you. All right, all right. So I'm gonna let you jump in. I'm gonna start the story off, and I'll I'll let you jump in and tell it from your perspective. Because I don't think after that night, because after that night we was all fucked up. I don't think I ever got the full scope of what was going through your mind during the situation. So I'm in the uh like I'm in Sailor Town in Sasebo, and I'm and I'm uh, walking. I'm like by myself this particular night. I just got done stealing somebody's bike from the apartment. What? We do that in Japan. It, so like I said, like leave my apartment, walk <laughs> by this particular female apartment that we were just talking about, and I think I stole her boyfriend's bike and I rode it to Sailor Town, parked it somewhere, I just threw it down, and then I'll probably steal a different bike to get back home, and then vice versa, right? So I'm walking through, I went to a couple bars, I'm by myself, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to head home. 
and I ran into somebody, and uh, this particular person gonna call me a bitch, and I'm like, all right, I'm like, hey, little bro, I ain't gonna be too many more bitches, but you know, go ahead and uh, walk away, you know, blah blah blah. He's like, oh man, you a bitch, bro. I was like, all right, bro, you got one more. I'm gonna have to come over there. He's like, oh, oh, you a tough guy. He had two guys with him. So you know, most people when they have people with them, that's when they get the, that's when they get the courage. Yep. And those kind of people, I never want those kind of people with me. I want a person that can be him, regardless. Like if you need a group to give you energy, those are not the kind of people I would want in a war. I'd rather have ten people that can ride by themselves than a hundred people that need somebody with them. Because the minute you take it, you know, take that, you know, component away. They're nothing. They fall apart. So, mm. all right. So the dude said it again, and I remember grabbing his head, and I started banging it against the brick wall, by right next to this bar. His two homeboys was like, "Yo, man, stop, chill out, chill, yeah. chill." So then I, I just dropped them. I started walking away. He runs into the bar. He grabs all these people. Now, as I'm walking towards the cab area, you got I can them walking towards. Then you got a whole bunch of people chasing after me. And I gotta let you pick up from the situation from like what you saying. Yeah. So after, so I I actually was in a bar singing karaoke, and uh, I was in the, <laughs> of course, of course. So I was gonna go to Stocky Town after that, and uh, you know, go do my usual thing I did over there. And uh, I remember seeing Cook, and there was a big. I mean, there was probably I I want to say anywhere from fifteen to thirty motherfuckers chasing him, and I'm like trying to get his attention. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, hey, just just go towards the cab. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? And he's like, I'm about to have to fight these dudes. And I was like, well, fuck that. Like, you know, I was fucked up, mind you. I could barely walk. So <laughs> I, tried, I tried standing my ground, and Cook's like, nah, man, just get in the cab. So I got I, – I didn't get into the cab. I fell into the cab. So Jesus at, this, Christ. at this point in time, I still don't know really what the fuck's really going on. So I kind of had like a moment of clarity in the cab and I popped my head up and it's cook outside with all these dudes about to fight. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting out. Like I ain't gonna let this dude get his ass whooped by 20 dudes. You know, that's fucked up. So I hopped out and I immediately start calling everybody bitches and you know what I mean? Trying to divert the attention off of him. So at least they can split the ass whooping 50, 50 instead of a hundred percent on him. You know what I mean? So I get my out. Man. My man. Uh, what's that? Uh, I don't want to say his name, but um, old buddy, when I hopped out, he knocked my hat off and got my face and, uh, you know, cook, picked my hat up and put it right back on my head. And we just stood our ground with, with these dudes. And, uh, that's about the last bit I can remember before I woke up at uh, cook's apartment the next morning. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and fill this in. Right. And, and I had a homeboy, in my first command. And before, before, I, before I get into this tidbit, um, he was from South Dakota. Right. And I remember us being in a magazine, and he grew up, like, racist, right? He straight up with me. He was like, Cook, man, you know, my dad told me, and I'm going to tell this quick story, and then I'm going to finish this up. He was like, Cook, uh, my dad told me it's it's a whole bunch of niggers and black people. I'm using the word. And black people in this world. And he was like, when you finally meet a black person, you'll know, right? So, make a long story short, he told me uh, the story about how his dad got fired and everybody was treating him like trash or whatever, and he was trying to fight the boss, and then the boss had some people try to rush him. He said that the black co-worker he had ran and broke it up, 
And then even though he knew his dad was like racist and he said off the wall shit, the black dude got him out there. And then him and the, him and that black guy still cool to this day, mm. right? And this particular person had, you know, an altercation on the boat. And, you know, I kind of got him out of the situation. We just started hanging out and talking. He was just like, he started crying to me. He was just like, man, I, I view black people this one way in my whole life. And, you know, I meet a motherfucker like you where you making me change the way I was raised. And, and uh, it was just a powerful moment because mm-hmm. we all got preconceived notions and bias built in. Like, this stuff is built in. And, you know, me and him, we, we still talk here and there, but, you know, we became tight after that. And then, you know, he'd be like, yo, cook, whatever. Hey, we go out, here's my credit card. Get whatever you want, kind of, kind of, <laughs> you know, from that point on. So, to I say all that to say this. So, this is what I did. So, I'm getting ready to get jumped. I got these 20 people approaching me, and Ike is off to the side. They're not really paying no attention. So, Ike, he's leaning there fucked up. He was just like, uh, look at you. Look at you in words. There's always just, just want to jump one person. Where's the black people at? It's not a black people in a whole lot. <laughs> and that's when the that's when the tall dude yep. walk up to Ike. He was he was nervous when he did it. So mind you, Ike is small. This guy, he, I'm six one. This guy was about six four. Yeah, he's tall. He walked up to Ike nervous, and all he did was smack his hat off. It's like he didn't. It's like I don't know what stopped him from trying to attack him. They had the numbers, and and that takes me back to what I was saying. Some people need those numbers. I don't know. And then that's when, you know, Bell, you know, Bell had them heavy hammer hands was right there. It was only it, it was only like four of us. Well he came in and then Bell came in after my hat got knocked off because he was still at the right. corner bar. Uh he was trying to get something, you know, a little something from the bartender. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember he came out after he knocked my hat off and uh like I said from there it kinda got a little hazy, but I remember he knocked my hat off and I looked at him and I was like, That's it? That's all. That's all you're gonna. Do. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, so then, like everybody started closing in on us. Bell ran up, and I forgot. So it was one other person there. And then we started getting closed in on. I'm like, oh shit, it's about to go down. And then more people came. Mm-hmm. And I think it was blacked out by that point. So I'm like, damn, it's four against thirty now, literally. So I'm like, fuck it. We hopped in the cab. I remember paying the, the cab didn't want to take us. Yeah, well, the I cab was. I remember the cab being surrounded because I told the dude. I remember telling the cab driver, I was like, "Hey, just run these motherfuckers over." I said, "Just blast <laughs> to the crowd." I said, "Fuck these dudes." Well, you know how Japanese people are. He's like, "Yeah," you know, he was like real apprehensive and shit. And like, I remember they surrounded the cab up up till we got like out of the, that entire block area. They were yeah, yeah. I remember paying them extra mm-hmm. to my house, and then yeah, you know, we started talking out. So. So, Ike, man, I want to get a little... Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You, hold on, you complete, hold that thought with Ike real quick. Ike. Okay. Ike. I want to say something real quick. Yeah. You know, me and Marcus been friends, good friends since we was like 13 years old, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I appreciate you having this back that night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. I appreciate that. He's a good dude. That make you... That make you a real one in my eyes, Ike. You a real like Ike. You was always a real one in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna tell you the first time I met Ike. Okay. And uh, you know I'm on the I'm stationed on the Essex circuit like 2009, 2008, some shit like that. 
and they bring these new guys on. And um, it's like three small little motherfuckers. It's like Eichelberger, it's like Hog, and it's like Gerardo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Ike, the first white person I seen who could hoop. Like, Ike was in the gym hooping with me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Ike was in the gym hooping with me, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, dude. And uh, I was like, this, these, these three little cool little motherfuckers, man. And um, so, Marcus, before you came to the Essex, this is a little deep story. I don't like, I don't like slandering people's names, but we had a a a a a senior chief there. His name was Senior Chief Beasley. This was a little bit before you came. Oh yeah. And um, man, so. I had been fucking the same chick the whole time I was on the Essex. And her name was Elfania Perez. And mm-hmm. um, she transfers to be an AO. I am now fucking this bitch in the magazine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, man, this motherfucker Chief Beasley, this, this motherfucker did everything to fuck with me. Like he sent me TAD. To, to, to like MWR because I was fucking this chick yeah. just because he wanted to grab her ass. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing was um, that dude was super racist and he wasn't even closeted about it either. Like that dude was. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. It. Yeah. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it a bulk with y'all. You know what? I like. I'm not going to tell you just white people, any race. I like people that's upfront about the way they feel. I could trust the motherfucker more. If they straight up with me, like I rather like I like going to the south because you get that racism when it's fresh. <laughs> Go back to your country. Oh, <laughs> so fresh, like yeah. <laughs> up north, everybody. So it's it's kind of covert. You don't know who's who. But I rather have a person straight up tell me how they feel mm-hmm. and why they feel the way they feel, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. If if you know if you're wearing a mask and you hiding stuff, it becomes harder for me to see who you really are. And with that. I want you to give us a little your perspective on life and, you know, and, like, you growing up and and, uh, and uh, everything else. Yeah, see, like, for me, um, you know, I, I was kind of – it was kind of split for me because um, I grew up, actually, in the city. You know, it's like a – it's a city south of Chicago. It's called Joliet, Illinois. And uh, mm-hmm. I was born okay. I was born there, and I think I lived there until I was probably 10 years old. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty big city. I mean, it's not like Chicago, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, it's the city. So I, I actually wasn't raised in the, the country or the sticks, as I call it. But um, I actually grew up with uh, – I have uh, black family members, so I kind of had a weird upbringing for a, uh, a normal white person, I guess. So from my eyes, I didn't really grow up into racism until I got away from the city, actually. So when I lived in the city – um, you know, I, mm. I grew up with my black cousins, my aunts, you know, I have, uh, Mexicans in my family, Asians. I had, I had a whole mixing pot. So I got to see. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on real quick. I do remember you showing me the pictures when you was like, I got black family members and you showed me on your, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I do remember. That. Yeah. So like it was right. kind of because I grew up with them. So, you know, I never had a, a, a bias or a hatred and I wasn't raised into, you know, racism or, you know, black people, left Mexicans, blah, blah, blah. You know, we were all just kind of struggling together. And, you know, from my point of view, I had the same, you know, life or childhood that they did. So I didn't really make judgments, you know, and, you know, we were all poor as fuck. So 
<clears throat> nobody had money. No, nobody was better than each other. So we were all just the same. You know, we were all on the same socioeconomic level. And, you know, it wasn't until I got away from the city that I really uh, got into seeing how shit really is away from, you know, like uh, being around uh, black family members versus white family members. If that makes any sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So when I moved from the city, I moved to a, uh, a smaller little country town, I guess. Um, hell, it's only about 30 minutes away, but it's completely different. I mean, even though it's only 30 minutes, it's completely different. And there, I mean, there's only one black dude in the whole entire city or in the town. And it was only a town at the time of probably 3,000 people maybe. And uh, okay. that's when I really started seeing shit differently because, you know, a lot of dudes I met were racist as fuck. And a lot of families that I met were racist. And even when my cousins came down to visit me uh, in that town or come to parties or whatever, like they felt some type of way towards them. And to me, I just never understood that because, you know, we're all the fucking same. We all breathe the same air. So to me, that was just weird. But I never really had that instilled in me, even though, you know, some of my family – uh, they don't, uh, let's say, uh, like your guys' race that much, but they never really, that never affected me that much. So I never really had any, uh, animosity towards anybody of color. So that's where I sit with that. Mm. But see, you want to know the thing about it for me. And uh, I don't even think, you know, I don't even think it's that deep no more. Even though you still got some people that was alive during the whole, schools being integrated and things like that. I don't even think it's so much a race issue. It's more of class issue. And then let's just take a poor white person and they're on the same level as like a poor black mm-hmm. person. So the only thing that's separating them is not money. It's just yeah. race well, at that point. So then they just like, all right, I mean, fuck yeah, it. I got you're right race. to an extent, but I, I can tell you right now that I know some white people that are extremely racist still. Like to me, like where I'm at now, uh, like where I live at now, if you ain't like a straight white Republican male, you ain't making it. And I mean, that's just guaranteed. So, I mean, that shit, it's that, that shit's still real, man. Like you'd be surprised, especially because, uh, I mean, obviously you guys see it, but I see more of the, the closeted underground, what they say under their breath, you know, conversations they have with each other type of shit. You know what I mean? Oh, all right. Well, shit, fuck it. We're going to turn this into a long one. We're going to go deep. I'm going to tell y'all a quick story on what happened to me, my first command. So while y'all was in Japan, so like, while y'all was in Japan, I was right. in Virginia, right? Right. And what happened to me was, I was driving from Detroit, I mean, I was driving from Virginia to Detroit, right? So I had to go through West Virginia. Right. Right? right. So I'm in West Virginia. I can't remember the area. I just remember pulling up to this rankety gas station. The gas station looked like trash. So I'm pumping my gas, right? And this is one of those spots where you pump the gas first. So I went to go pay, and he, this guy with some overalls came. He has Confederate hat Classic. on. He looked at me. He looked at me, and then he stepped out quickly. And then he went to his truck and started making a phone call. The guy in the gas station, he looked and he he grabbed me. He was like, "You gotta go now." I'm trying to pay. I'm trying to pay. He was like, "You have to go now." So he's like, "Seriously?" So I I, I I didn't pay for the gas. I got like seventy dollars worth of gas from this guy. Ran to my car. I started driving off. As I'm driving off, a van pulls up to the gas station, full of people. People sitting in the back of it. 
They're like, where are you at? And then they point, and my little car is speeding, so I, they started chasing me. So what I had to do was, I'm getting chased. I'm scared as hell. I'm nervous. I turned off. I hit a side road, and then I drove into the, I drove my car into the bushes. I did not know if it was a dent or nothing, because they, they, like, they would have caught me. Like, I had, a, like, a Pontiac Grand Prix at the time. So I drove into the bushes, and these guys, they sped past me, and then they doubled back. And it went to where I was, and it kept going down. Was, I think he went down a dirt road, and I heard one of the guys like, oh, he done fucked up. It's a dead end mm-hmm. down that way. So then they sped down, and then I bagged up and then left. I kept going. I didn't stop. I was in there on E. Because I was, I, I, was, I was paranoid after that. I did not want to stop nowhere else. Yeah, you're right. It is these pockets of America. Yep. And that's what really – and, you know, as a person, when you try to brand this kind of stuff up, People kind of get, you know, and then my ex-wife, you know, is white, and she's in small town Oklahoma, and I had to go down there, and that's a different world upon itself because they still have Klan yeah. rallies. Yeah, it's all like it's that. all closeted, man. It's not like broadcast like it used to be when it was, you know, okay, you know, it, to everyone's eyes, but now it's just closeted, and, you know, you really won't see it unless, you know, you get down to, you know, you being by yourself or out of the city because that shit's real. I mean – Hell, I mean, the first time I ever really experienced it myself, like, because uh, when I was younger, I never really seen it, you know, because I was always cool or whatever. I didn't really pay no attention to it because I just lived like I normally would. Well, the first time I actually ever seen, uh, like, uh, racism towards, uh, like, actual living racism towards black people, I was with my cousins. I came back on leave um, from the military, and I went to go to my cousins to visit them. And, uh, you know, we were drinking and shit. So we're all like, oh, we're out of liquor. You know, let's go for a liquor run. So I had money and I was like, hey, I'll pay. I'll pay for liquor. You know, let's just get fucked up, have a good time. And I remember we got in my cousin's car and he had a felony charge for a uh, possession of a weapon on his on his record. So we Mm -hmm. drove his car. I remember going to the gas station and uh, I was with uh, two of my cousins and two of their friends. It was me. So we had, you know, five people. Um, I don't know what kind of car it was. It was an older, older car. And we went to the gas station to get cigarettes and uh, liquor and shit. And as we were sitting there, we were pulling out. And the dude that was driving, he's a real good buddy of mine. Uh, we call him Mojo. But he's like, hey, we're about to get pulled over by the Jump Out Boys. And I was like, I was like, who the fuck? Oh, I'm familiar with this. I'm very familiar with this. I'm very familiar with this. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, so he's, he's like, too. yeah, we're about to get hit by the jump out boys. And me not knowing, I'm like, well, who the fuck jump out boys? He's like, you're about to find out. Well, next thing you know, there's like 10 squad cars that surrounded us with their lights on. And uh, dudes get out and like plain clothes officers get out and just surround the car with their guns. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I have no idea what the fuck's going on. So they come up to the car, they come up to the window and they're like, you know, what the fuck you guys doing? blah, 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 you know, you guys got any guns on, you got any drugs, and, you know, they're, like, yelling at us and shit, and there's, like, they're yelling to the point where no one can talk, no one can say nothing, because they're just talking over us as we're trying to give them an answer, and they're, yep. they're not letting us get any words in, so they're, like, all right, everybody get, out, everybody get the fuck out the car. Well, when we get out the car, one of the officers is, like, hey, who's the Navy boy? And I was, like, what the fuck? You know, I don't even know how the fuck they even do that to begin with, but, uh, I was like, yeah, it's me. He's like, come here and give me your ID. And he, I gave him my ID, and he pulled me off to the side, okay? So he pulls me off the side, and they search mm. everybody else in the car. And everybody else in the car was black. I was the only white dude in the car. So they're searching everybody else in the car. They pat them down. 
throw them around, throw them against the car and shit, throw them against the hood. And the whole time while they're doing this, they don't search me. They don't touch me at all. And the only thing that they're telling me was, you need to get new friends. You need to get new friends. You need to stop hanging out with these people. And I'm like, what the fuck you mean hanging out with these people or getting new friends out? This is my family. Like, yeah, okay, buddy. Okay, yeah, this is your family. And I was like, no, I mean, these are my cousins. I'm back on leave. We're just trying to have a good time. And they don't touch me. They don't do nothing to me. They don't search me. No, nothing. And, you know, they're just throwing everybody else around. And, you know, eventually they let, they let us go. But to me, that shit was crazy because I had never seen no shit like that before. And I got back in the, I got back in the car and I was like, hey, is, is that normal? Like, yeah, that shit happens all the time. And I'm like, that's fucked up, man. All right. All right. So, you know what? Oh, my God. This opens up so many doors. So, so I have a jump out boy story, but I'm going to say that for like a later podcast. But what I will say is I do got a story of me and my friends getting stopped once I was already in the military. And I'm going to tell this story. I was going to save this one for a later podcast, but I will tell this one right now. And I'll let Naeem tell his story from it. If you want to tell it from a cop's perspective or if you want to tell it from his own experience. So this particular story... I was I flew home on leave. I rented a um a Cadillac Escalade. Got an Escalade, so I'm in the hood in the Escalade, right? And I got a um all white Escalade, and I'm wearing a white jacket. It's a jacket I had in Japan. I used to hang out on hard jacket. I used to have the white jacket yeah. with the black letters on it. So I had a white jacket on, and I went and brought some white Tims. So I pull up to my boy's house, and my boy sells right. He sells. So I hop out and he was like, oh man, this dope house now on the map yet. You good. So I'm in there chilling with them. We just talking. And he, he had no dope in the house at the time. So we just chopping it up. And then I step outside and we, you know, you know, we pound it out and I go to the whip. So all these cars come out of nowhere. I guess his house is being watched. Right. So they, they, they pull up and I mind you, I got on white. They threw me into the muddiest mm. part of the ground. Then the cop put his boot on my back. He knew I had a white jacket on. He grinded wow. his boot in my wow. back, right? And and I had this conversation with uh with somebody. Being in the military, I don't feel black. I feel like I ain't gonna say American, because the minute he see my Shit military changes. ID, I got picked up. I got picked up mm. and dust off. And just like you said, they separated me yep. from everybody else. Hey, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. And then all I hear is, he's not a fucking plug. He's in a fucking military. Da da da. Oh, my yeah. dad was a plug. He's mm-hmm. not a drug dealer. And it's like, I just got on a jacket and I'm wearing Tim's. Like, what, you know, what's what's the difference between me and Steve from yep. the Burbs wearing Tim's? Just because I got on, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's, but yeah. That's what's crazy. Like, once they see my ID, and then he was like, oh, shit. And then he looked at my leave paper. He was like, he just got here yeah. today. I'm like, yeah, I just went on leave. And then they was like, fuck. And, you know, they gave me, the officer gave me about 50 bucks to go get my jacket dry cleaned. But the stain never came out. I think I still got that jacket. <laughs> yep. with the blueprint in it. And it's just like these kind of stories, like mainstream, like, like American won't believe. And it took, you know, the whole Rodney King and shit. To, but now it's so much shit going on in the world. Shit gets normalized, so people are like desensitized mm-hmm. to, you know, different issues. And I ain't saying just a black and white issue. Just what's well, just yeah. any, you know, it's because like, a good majority of them they don't really go through shit like that or see shit like that. Like what I experienced. Like you know, right. I guarantee I can ask any of my white buddies if they know what the jump up boys were, or if they ever had a situation like that, they'd have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. 
But see, you know, like the crazy thing about you is, and 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 I know you might have known Naeem a little bit longer, but I think me you got a little closer. We used to have these yeah, like in the fifty cal armor, yeah. I think I, I, yeah, I think I went deep. I got some stories I mm-hmm. told you that well, I probably one, like, would never you know, tell. Me and you started getting along because you know you told me about your childhood and your upbringing and what it's like from your perspective, and then I gave from my perspective, and then I brought to me like yeah. you know some of the things that I had not questions about, but you know, why is it like this? Why is it like this? You know, why are things like this? And then you said the same thing to me. And, you know, we got really close like that. And that's why I didn't, you know, after, like I said, after I had the first initial, not am, an, animosity towards you, but, you know, I just didn't, you know, bring you in like I did everybody else. But after that, I was like, you know, this dude, he's truthfully keeps it up front. And, you know, he tells me, you know, you didn't hold nothing back. You're like, yeah, this yeah. is why it is. This is how I see it. And after that, I mean, you got close. And I mean, yeah, we talked about a lot of this shit before and, that's yeah. why I mean you got yeah, but the, for me, the, you know, for me, the thing I hate, I hate that when you have, you know, black people in the military that mm-hmm. still want to rep gangs and shit. I look at it like you really a thug and you really about that. Yeah, you should be in the mm-hmm. streets banging well, the your cra- flag. Mm-hmm. You the crazy thing is too, though. The, you know I mean, you saying? guys know I this too, but even in the military, know. there's cliques. I mean, there's like groups of people that, you know, yeah. I mean, hell, most of it's even from my point of view. At first, it most of it was. Racial. I mean, you had the tables Filipinos, of nothing but black dudes, Filipino dudes. You had tables of nothing but street dudes that used to be. You know what I mean from the street, and that shit's crazy. People don't think about that in the military, but it really is. I wouldn't say actually segregated, but a lot of it's self segregation. You know what I mean? It is. It is. I mean, but for me, I grew up in the trace. I grew up in the street atmosphere. So me as a person, I always tried to learn. Yep. Other people's point of view. Because I feel like it makes me more well, that's like, well-rounded as a person. Yeah, that's why I, I like the military, man. Because, like, when I met... You know what I'm saying? Uh, when I met Naeem, you know, that dude brought a whole different, uh, like, level and, uh, what, what should I say, like, uh, point of view to my world. <laughs> and me and him just started talking about the craziest shit. And we got along because I didn't, I didn't hold nothing back that I wanted to say to him, and he didn't hold nothing back that he wanted to say to me. And we just started, you know, talking hey. about opposite ends. Yeah, listen, Eichelberger was the man in my eyes. You know, um, he was he was a real cool guy, um, real straight shooter. You know, um, spoke his mind, meant what he said, um, never came at nobody sideways. Just a real uh, stand up guy, and, and you know, I respected that from from Eichelberger. You know, uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't. We interacted a lot, but just never did too much together. But, you know, I got uh, 100% respect for the guy. And, you know, I see why some people get fucked up because we, we did the one pullover of the guy. And before yeah. and you wanted to give him a, a, yeah. you know, a break, you walked up to the car like, you know, it's the holidays. It's Christmas Eve. I'm going to let him go. But as soon as you walked up to the car, he was like, why you mm. got to fuck with me? He was like, yo, I'm, I'm trying right. to let yep. you go. If you shut the right. fuck up and don't fuck it up. Yeah. I'm trying be, to send you home today. Cop, man. And then you was like, <laughs> that shit's crazy. Because like, even when I, because I don't know if you knew this, not Brown, but uh, I actually was a TAD that the MAs my last year oh. on the, uh, my oh. Jard. I actually, I was badged out and everything. And I hated that shit. I couldn't stand it. I was good at what I did. They liked me and they wanted me to cross rate to MA, but I didn't like doing that shit. Because a lot of times, you know, motherfuckers were just fucked up making dumbass decisions, but they were about to ruin their life. Mm. And I didn't like being a dude to mm. do it. 
You know what I mean? Right. Especially because right. I made mistakes, sex, sex obviously, is the and I got sex, fucked sex up. Sex is the burden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Hey, hold on, hold on. So, Navy restriction, for those who don't know, that's when you, like, mm-hmm. on a ship and you can't leave. So, I'm in a squadron right now, and I'm working with these young 20-year-olds that's getting a restriction. Now, restriction in a squadron means you got to go to the barracks and you can't leave the base. And they, and I got these cats. They crying. They don't know what nah. real, you know, restriction is. But Ike was on restriction in the armory. And I got a video that's on YouTube where this dude <laughs> throwing some rock on. Uh-huh. He kicking everything mm. in the armory. He wilding out. And I'm just standing there. Then he says, sorry. <laughs> he banged his head. Yeah, his dude, shit. I was on restriction. Like, <laughs> Twice? Just like, yo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that shit nah. fuck your mind. You can't leave a boat. I'm talking about we pulling into Greece, you know, Thailand, and everything else, and dude on the yep. boat that it really fucks with your. And, and the craziest thing about one of my restriction uh, stints Man, was but, the first time I was on restriction, I actually ended up getting my first EP, which for you, for those that don't know, is like the best evaluation you can get, where you're pretty much guaranteed rank. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. got my first EP on restriction, and they let me off early, which was unheard of. They cut my shit off like 10 days before I was supposed to get off. I was supposed to go to muster, and they called me by name, and I had to go talk to the captain. And he just let me off, gave me my ID, and told me to leave. And he just let me off restriction. I got an EP, and I actually got rank right after I did restriction, which was crazy. That was part one. Uh, views from the Hicks. Uh, we have a lot more, uh, a lot more that couldn't make it in this episode. It's a continuous conversation. We went for over an hour, and we have a lot more things that even when we got off the phone, we called each other back. We had a lot more to say. Um, we're gonna come back again and revisit the topics we spoke on and we're going to get into the uh, rest of the topics that we had so this is part one stay tuned for part two and this is detroit international